Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Since becoming Biden's top trust buster, Lena Khan has made some enemies. The FTC is pretty unhappy at the moment. That's Leah Nylon, Politico's antitrust reporter, who's been digging into what's been going on at the Federal Trade Commission since Khan took over in June. What she found was discontent outside of the agency and sometimes within it. There's always been this sort of history of bipartisanship at the FTC, and people are very concerned that now this history of bipartisanship is being thrown by the wayside. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Leah Nylon on why the knives are out for Lena Khan. So Lena Khan is a 32-year-old progressive anti-monopolist who has taken over as chair of the Federal Trade Commission. That's a position that's normally given to someone older and someone who has worked often as a defense attorney for a lot of companies that have gone through antitrust problems before. So Biden's choice here is really someone very different from the norm and someone who has made a lot of comments about concerns about the big tech companies, particularly Amazon and Facebook, and how, in her view, they're harming our economy and how we can use the antitrust laws to sort of rein them in. The Federal Trade Commission has struck down a policy of going after unfair competition only when it harms consumer welfare. And this was a controversial move led by the new FTC chair, Lena Khan, during her first public meeting. And it could signal more aggressive action, especially against big tech in the future. Regulatory pressure facing Facebook right now. The FTC earlier today filing a new antitrust complaint after a federal judge dismissed the previous complaint it filed against the company. Amazon seeking to recuse new FTC chair, Lena Khan, from antitrust probes involving the company. Amazon cited comments the con has made in the past, including that the company's, quote, guilty of antitrust violations and should be broken up, unquote. The FTC is a place that often people go to as a stepping stone in their career. So they oftentimes sort of intend to go out to private practice and represent a lot of companies later on. So it's, it's seen as like a way to get some experience and then you can bring the connections that you have at the agency back later to help companies get through deals. She's sort of turning that a little bit on its head, right? Because they're looking at becoming much, much more aggressive, challenging a lot more deals, challenging a lot of anti-competitive conduct in major companies, which is something the U.S. hasn't done in a very long time. And that can be pretty uncomfortable when you've had sort of a pretty collegial relationship with the people representing companies for years or decades. And I think there is also a little bit of tension about the fact that she is a young woman. You know, she is a 32-year-old woman of color. She is of Pakistani descent. And there are a lot of people very surprised that she's in charge now. You know, she hasn't represented companies before she hasn't litigated before she hasn't had a, a major management job before either and so i think you know especially among some of the employees who are a little bit older there's a little bit of a who is this young whippersnapper now telling me what to do so there's been this big culture change at the ftc and there's been tension 
because of it from the staunch anti-big tech moves and also because of Khan's experience, though you noted in your story that some of her supporters see that as a kind of coded attack on her as a young Asian-American woman. Um, But reading your reporting, you noted that employees at the agency also complain that Khan has largely walled herself from rank-and-file staff, clamped down on decision-making, limited what the staff is allowed to say in public, and also herself isn't really giving interviews. Yeah, that has been very interesting, right? Because um, before she became an FTC chair, she was pretty outspoken in the media. You know, she had done interviews with the New York Times, being very outspoken about some of her criticism of Amazon and Facebook in particular. There have been like major profiles of her in lots of magazines and, and newspapers and things like that. And after she got into the FTC, she stopped talking to the media or really anybody at all. She has made, uh, they've started having these public meetings in which, you know, she's made some speeches about, um, you know, things the agency is doing, but she hasn't like made a lot of comments so far about what her priorities are and these changes that are happening at the agency. So you end up finding about out about a, a lot of this like second and third hand and then having to like go in and check it out. And I think that's very different from how a lot of other people have handled the agency. You know, if they were going to make a change, they would usually announce that at like a big conference, you know, and then take a lot of questions and like explain how they intended to do things and like what their thinking was. And, and she hasn't been doing it that way. So I think it's a little bit of a different, you know, she has made some major changes and her approach to how to roll those out has been very different from how things have been done in the past. Hmm. So we've mostly been talking about internal discontent, but what about outside of the agency and in politics? Like, how are we seeing Khan's tenure so far being received politically? There is a lot of discontent from Republicans. You see this um, with both the Republican commissioners. The FTC is a five-member body. It has three Democrats and two Republicans. And both of the Republicans have been very outspoken in their sort of displeasure about some of the changes that Chair Khan has made. They think that she has been withdrawing policies very quickly and without very much explanation or opportunity for public comment. They've been unhappy about some of the transparency issues. She has started holding these open meetings, but, you know, the public doesn't get to comment till the end after all of the business is taking place. So it's not as though, like, the public input is actually having much of an impact on the vote. And there have been a lot of members of the Hill up on the Hill, also on the Republican side, who have expressed some displeasure about these changes. I think you also see this a lot from people who are very used to how things have been done at the agency. So, you know, people who are alums of the agency, sort of on both sides, you know, both Republicans and Democrats, there's always been this sort of history of bipartisanship at the FTC. And there's some concern that this history of bipartisanship is being thrown by the wayside um, in favor of um, strictly partisan votes, three to two, to um, sort of change the focus of the agency to be much more aggressive in ways that it wouldn't have been before. You have, however, a lot of uh, groups that are somewhat happy with these changes, particularly ones who haven't been that pleased with the FTC over the past. So she's getting a lot of plaudits from congressional Democrats who've been pretty harsh and critical of how the FTC has handled things over the past two decades. 
there are some groups um, who I quote in there who've done a lot of work with the FTC on things like children's privacy, on things like fraud and financial problems. And and they're pretty happy, actually, with um, the FTC sort of shaking things up a little and trying to get things done more quickly. Well, that gets to what I'm kind of curious about here. I mean, a lot of what Khan is doing decision-making-wise involves cracking down on big tech companies like Facebook, like Amazon. And on the whole, those are things that a lot of people support, right? Like these were things that the Trump administration pushed for too. As someone who really closely follows this agency, has covered it under other leaders too, how warranted do you think at the end of the day this criticism of Khan is really? I mean, I think that there is some validity to some of the criticisms, right? She came in and started making changes pretty immediately. Very often times when new leaders come in, they sort of, you know, let things stay for a little while, you know, like get the hang of it and then start making their changes. But I think she really wanted to make a big splash, which is why she, you know, sort of started changing things immediately. Um, But I I do, you know, understand change is hard, right? (laughs) She is taking what has been, you know, it's a 1,100 person agency. It's operated by consensus for, you know, the 107 years that it's been in operation. Um, and she is definitely taking a new direction. So I understand that there's going to be a lot of anxiety about, you know, whether she's making the right move there, you know, whether she is, um, anything she's doing is probably going to lead to some criticism. She's a little bit damned if she does and damned if she doesn't here. Leah Nylon, thanks so much for talking with me. Yeah, anytime. Also, today, people who've received a coronavirus booster shot since the Biden administration approved an additional dose for people with compromised immune systems have largely reported mild side effects. In a new report, the CDC said during the first five weeks, third shots were authorized, quote, no unexpected patterns of adverse reactions were observed. Most of the reactions they did report were mild to moderate, often the day after immunization. The agency says most participants received their third doses from the same manufacturer that made their initial vaccine series. And public health organizations are pushing the Food and Drug Administration to immediately take all flavored e-cigarettes, including menthol versions, off the market. The groups, including the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids and the American Academy of Pediatrics, successfully sued the FDA recently to accelerate its deadline for deciding which vaping products can stay on the market. But they're frustrated that the agency has not yet acted on applications from the industry's largest producers, including Juul. Until that happens, the organization wrote, quote, Companies are able to continue to advertise and sell the flavored products responsible for the youth e-cigarette epidemic. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Just a reminder that we want to hear what you think of our podcasts. Take Politico's podcast survey at politico.com slash pod survey. Again, that's politico.com slash pod survey. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 